you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can open up to the book of Mark this afternoon. Actually, it's still the morning, so the morning, okay. Uh, Mark's in the New Testament. It's one of the gospel books right after Matthew, but before Luke. And uh, we will be in chapter four today. But before we get going, is Ruth Probasco Hearth here today? Ruth, are you here? There she is in the back. A few weeks ago, Ruth took our membership class, so everybody give her a welcome applause. Hello, Ruth. Hello, hello, hello. One of our insider things that we enjoy doing here is we give membership cards to everybody who takes a membership class, and so Ruth gets to become a card-carrying Baptist. Zoom in. All right. It's one of the fun things that we do around here. Welcome, Ruth. Glad to have you be part of the family. All right, we are in a series on the miracles of Jesus, and so to help us put this whole series into perspective today, when you think of all the miracles that Jesus did, his purpose was not to wow everybody and blow their mind, all right? Uh, There were layers of teaching in the midst of all of these miracles, and there were very specific messages because each Miracle had a specific audience. Some were for the disciples, some were for individuals, like we saw last week with the healing of the blind man, but, and some were just for folks who were just looking on. All of them, though, were to teach and reveal the authority that Jesus had over things like sickness and creation and things like even life and death itself. So the purpose of Jesus performing these miracles was twofold. Number one, it was to draw unbelievers into faith in him. The second purpose would have been to strengthen believers so that their faith would then grow. So today we're going to look at a very interesting miracle. It's the one where Jesus calms the sea during a huge storm. And this miracle, folks, this one was solely for the disciples. Now, imagine the situation at hand. Here are the disciples. They've been watching Jesus do all of this amazing work. They've seen him perform some miracles. They saw him turn the water into wine, cast out demons, feed 5,000 people, and even heal a blind man. And all of those were done in front of their very eyes. But all of those miracles were for other people. The miracle we're looking at today, this one was just for them. And so you will see at the end of the passage that Jesus is going to address an issue that they have going on in their heart. Because Jesus wants their faith to grow. He has a purpose for these men. And so he's going to allow them to go through a very difficult situation in order for that growth to take place. So with that being said, let's come home right now into our own lives. We all experience storms. They come in all different shapes and sizes. And most of the time, the way that human beings respond respond to storms is with one of two ways. Number one, it's with denial. In other words, right, if I just deny that the storm is even there, then maybe it's not even going to happen, or maybe it's going to go away. And then I'll feel better. This is not an uncommon approach. In fact, some folks will add to the denial by turning to alcohol and drugs or anything else they can find to try and mask what's going on in their life and what they're experiencing. The reality is, is they don't want to face what's real in front of them. It's just too difficult. On the other side of the spectrum, what some folks will do is they go all the way to the extreme and their minds just spin out of control. 
Whenever the storm comes, their mind goes fast and furious in all different directions, and most of the time, it's nowhere good. And they start flipping out, panicking, saying and doing all kinds of things. And if you're not sure if this is you, just ask your family members. They'll let you know. So we have these two extremes. We either go to complete denial or we go into spinning out of control mode. And psychologists will tell you that that is how the vast majority of humans deal with storms whenever they come into your life. And so here's Jesus, here's the disciples, they're going to respond to the storm at hand. And Jesus wants to bring them to a place where they own their faith, where they live it out. Because it's one thing in life, right, to say, hey, trust Jesus, lean on him, pray, seek him first. That's easy to do, especially for somebody like me. When you're the one in the storm, I can sit on my side of the desk and say, just pray, seek him first, lean on Christ. But it's a whole different thing when I'm the person who's in the storm. That is when it is hard. And there's a difference between preaching a message and actually wearing a message. There's a difference between knowing what the Bible says and believing it and internalizing it and living it out. Believing that God is actually going to show up in those hard times. And folks, this is where the disciples are at. They're going to experience a miracle that they were not expecting. It's a unique situation taking place. Jesus is, has done some amazing things, and he's going to show his power over creation. So at this point in the story, Jesus has been teaching uh, on, the, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee all day. He's talked about the soil, the lamp, the mustard seed, the kingdom of God. And then in verse 34 of Mark chapter 4, Jesus recognizes that many of the people that he's been talking to don't even understand the parables that he's been talking about. And so he's going to reveal to the disciples what it means. So, uh, by the way, in reality, he's going to bring these gentlemen to a place where they are going to focus on one major issue that they have going on. It's a stronghold in their life. Jesus is going to reveal to them that watching a miracle happen, like seeing the blind man get his sight, is very different than experiencing it. So if you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 4. Looking at verse 35, here's what it says. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And he was referring to the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him in verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the cern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Something to that effect. So the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've ever been there, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest elevation freshwater lake on earth. It is 695 feet below sea level. And if you've been there, you've seen it, that the Jordan River comes down the Jordan Rift Valley, and it is a place where the weather can be very nice and very quickly turn very bad. And in this case, on this day, the winds came from the north down the Jordan Rift Valley, and if you're on the lake when this happens, the water's going to get really choppy, really fast. And that's exactly what happened here, this is the situation that the boys are in. Okay, now pause. There's a parallel going on here with our lives. 
storms are going to come into our lives. Are they not, congregation? They are. It's not if, it's when. And I don't know if, if God works in your life any different than he does mine, but I've never experienced a phone call from God that sounds something like this. Ring, hello. Oh, hey, God, what's up? Um, hey, Wayne, uh, yeah, just, uh, son, I wanted to give you a heads up um, that on November 4th, uh, that things are going to get really choppy for you, son. And uh, you're going to go through a really big and bad situation. And so I just wanted to give you a few weeks so that you could uh, prepare and get ready for it, okay? All right, bye-bye. Click. Yeah, I've never had that experience. Maybe you have, but I'm guessing you haven't. But storms in life just tend to come out of nowhere, and often they're a surprise to us. And this storm came out of nowhere for the disciples. So think about the storms in your life for a second. It could be the doctor's report. It could be you recently lost a loved one. It could be your job or lack of having a job. It could be your marriage and, and you recently uh, had some things get choppy in your marriage. It could be your kids. It could be your adult kids. It could be your finances. It's whatever it is. There are multiple ways that we experience storms in our life. And so I want to encourage you today to identify what is your personal storm. In your outline, you see on the screen as well, what storm are you facing? It could be a storm that you are directly experiencing right now, or it could be a storm that you're going with a loved one or a friend through. But whatever it is, what storm are you facing today? And I want to give you three things to remember as we walk through storms in our lives today, all right? In your outline, you're in the storm when number one happens, when it's by his appointment. And the passages that we're going to look at today, they create some tension in our theological perspectives. These passages could challenge what you currently believe about God, with him being omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. With him being omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. And him being omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. So look again now with me, what Jesus says in verse 35. Back in verse 35, he says, The day came when the evening came, and he said to his disciples, Hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So, congregation, whose idea was this to begin with? Whose idea was it to go for a boat ride? Jesus, right? Now just pause for a moment. Jesus is fully God. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful, right? Okay. And this is his idea. Hey, guys, let's go get in the boat. Let's go to the east shore. It's quieter. There's a ton of, of space over there. Not much people. And we can just spend some time together. Don't this sound like a good idea? Let's go. It's all Jesus' idea. And here's where it challenges some of you. Because you thought, hey, wait, wait a minute. When I'm obedient to Christ, my life is supposed to be wonderful. And there isn't supposed to be any storms. What do you mean Jesus said to his disciples and then they get out there in the boat and he knew that the storm was going to come and the waves were going to start crashing over the boat. Folks, oftentimes God has to let us go through certain storms in order for him to teach us the lesson that we would not otherwise learn if we don't go through it. We have to go through them in order to grow. So yes, there are some storms that are going to come into our life by God's appointment. 
because he knows that this storm is what we need. There's some other reasons storms do come into our lives as well. Sometimes storms come in from when we make bad decisions. Should we all have a public time of testimony? All right, who could tell stories of when we look back into our past and we go, yikes. Some of the storms come from when we make bad decisions. Sometimes storms come in our life from the enemy. If you know what the enemy's job description is, it's in scripture. It says to steal, kill, and destroy. So yeah, sometimes there are storms that come from the attack of the enemy. And sometimes a third reason is because we just live in a broken world. If you can remember a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, way back in the old days of 2020, remember we experienced the greatest pandemic of our lifetime so far? Remember those old days? Long time ago. COVID. Oh, and then in 2022, right, a war breaks out between Russia and the Ukraine. Now, it's affecting us. Now, we don't have fighting going on here in our city, but have you seen the gas prices on the way to church today? Folks, that war is affecting us. So why does there have to be war to begin with? Well, because we live in a broken place. Why do some of you have to wear reading glasses? Because we live in a broken world. It's just the way that it is, and it all stems back to sin being in the world. That's the facts. So here's a passage that I'm going to give you real quick in John chapter 16 that that will help us practice the presence of Christ in the midst of living in a broken world. In your outline, John 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking. And here's what he says. He says, I have told you these things so that, and what are the next two words? So that in me, now I want you to circle those two words. So that in me, you may have peace. What is the secret sauce in life for having peace in your life, congregation? It's real simple. It's to be in Christ. If you want that peace that passes all understanding, you must practice the presence of God in your life. Jesus says here in these verses that it's in me that you will have peace in the storm of your life. And that verse goes on to say, and in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So as you're thinking about your life and as you think about how these storms come in at unexpected times, we need to practice the presence of Christ. That is how we will find peace, my friends. It's not by denial, it's not by spinning out of control, but it is by praising God. Rachel just sang a song a few minutes ago about that. I want you to take a look at Romans 8, 28. It's a popular verse regardless of how the storm comes into your life or whoever's at fault. It's in your outline here. This is God's promise to us. Scripture says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And that includes the storms in your life. The Lord works them to good for those who love him. So as you're, again, as you're thinking about your life and these storms when they come in, whatever it is, you've identified it today, I just want to encourage you to recognize that maybe, just maybe, you're going through a storm at God's appointment. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere. 
And if you love him and if you were called according to his purpose, he will also ultimately work it for good. That is his promise to you. So I ask you now, do you trust God at his word? Because God is trying to get your attention and he's trying to teach you something and he wants you to grow and have a deeper faith that goes beyond just knowing the Bible verse. But he wants you to wear it. Verse 36 again. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. In verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. The disciples have seen some of the other miracles, but now they're in the boat out on the Sea of Galilee. The storm is raging, and Jesus wants to teach them that the storm that they are in needs point number two. And in your outline, that's with his presence. He's right there with them in the boat. Now look again at verse 38. So Jesus was in the stern. And what's the Lord doing? Taking a snooze, sleeping on the cushion. And hey, we believe that Jesus is fully God. We believe that he's fully man. He's taking a nap. He's probably even snoring. All right? Counting sheep, right? Wait a minute. Did Jesus snore? Yeah, he probably did. He also ate food and did other things too. He was fully human. So, here are the waves. They're crashing over the boat. The boys are in a panic. And they're afraid that they're going to be consumed by the water and they're just going to die. Jesus, wake up! They need a superhero to come in and save the day. Truth is, we do the same thing. We want him to come in and solve our problems and save the day. But sometimes God just allows us to stay out in the storm while he's taking a nap. He allows us to experience the waves crashing over the sides of our boats, doesn't he? There's a lesson in the midst of the storms, always. God is always trying to transform us. I've said this before. God cares more about our character than he does our comfort. That is the truth. But his presence was still with the disciples on the boat. And he's with us as well. So as we work on practicing the presence of the Lord in our life, I want to point you to Psalm 23, verse 4. David wrote this from a shepherd's mindset, and he says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, bad things are going to happen to good people. Even though I walk through it, he says, I will fear no evil. How is that even possible? Well, David tells us how right here. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David demonstrates practicing the presence of God in his own storm. And it's not enough for him to just know the verses, right? He, he had to experience it and put it into action. The same is true for us. 
We have to live them out in order to experiencing to experience the very peace that we want to experience. Hebrews 13, verse five. God says to us, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So when you praise God in the midst of your storm, whatever it is, you will personally experience and then you will begin to understand what God means in this verse right here. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. When we're in the storms, sometimes we're there by God's appointment. And when we're there, we're there with his presence. And sometimes we're in the storm for number three, for his purpose. For his purpose. This is a challenging one. I want you to look again at verse 38. He says this. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? There are times, there are times in our lives when we feel like, the disciples here. We just want Jesus to come in and fix our problems. And we want it right now. Jesus, don't you care about my... Whatever it is. Your finances, your marriage, your work, your health. Whatever it is. Jesus, don't you care? That's where the disciples are at. They felt like he didn't care. Because in verse 38... They're going to come in contact here with, with their greatest fear. The stronghold that Jesus is going to break in them. They were afraid to die. Death is their greatest fear. And here's what's interesting, congregation, is when you think about the life of many of the disciples, they watched Jesus' ministry, they saw all the good stuff happen. And really, they had been living vicariously through other people's experiences up to this point. But now they come to a place when this is about them. Their personal faith. Their physical life. And they are afraid to die. Now, we know how the story goes, don't we? We've read the book. We know that Jesus is... In a few minutes, he's going to calm the storm. We know that uh, a couple of chapters later in Scripture that, that Jesus is going to be uh, revealing his character. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified and beaten. And then he's going to die on the cross and, and, and rise again from the dead. And we also know that a short time after that, the disciples are all going to be persecuted. And they're going to be told to deny Jesus or face death. And you know what they all said? Sign me up. Go ahead and kill me. Now, how did they get to that place when right here in today's story, they're like, Jesus, save us, we're gonna die. How'd they get there? Because Jesus, in this story, helps them overcome their greatest fear, which is death. Folks, the miracle of the calming of the sea wasn't just about calming the weather. It was about transformation in their heart. Because now they believed exactly who Jesus was. He was the Lord over all of creation. And as a result, their faith grew heaps and bounds. And it changed their complete view of death. What do you know about Simon Peter? Well, when Simon Peter was challenged to deny Christ... 
You know what he said? He said, yeah, go ahead and crucify me, but don't you dare hang me with my head up. Put my head down because I am not worthy of being crucified the same way that Jesus was crucified. Put me upside down. Mark, he was, he was drugged behind a horse. Luke was hung on an olive tree. Paul was beheaded by Emperor Nero. James, Jesus' own brother, was asked to deny Jesus or get thrown off of a cliff. You know what he chose? Push me off the cliff. But it wasn't too long before when many of these disciples were here in the boat saying, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. Folks, the miracle wasn't about calming the storm. It was that they believed Jesus and trusted him. There is a big difference between speaking the message and wearing the message. Last week, we talked about the blind man who was healed. His life changed after he met Christ. So did his testimony. His testimony now is, I once was blind, but now I see. He walked through a series of storms in his life. We talked about that. But his life was different after because of his connection in his new relationship with Jesus. Same thing is true for us. How do we know that the Lord is faithful? Well, we go through storms, we experience his faithfulness in our life. How do we learn to trust that God will never leave us or forsake us? It's when we put our faith into action. That's how we know the Bible verses that we read and that we study and that we preach upon are real in our lives. Jesus had a lesson for the disciples to Right here where they're out on the, on the boat. Look with me in your outlines of Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. God tells us. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And here's why. Because the Lord is near. Now let me stop right there. Maybe you're in a certain storm right now or someone you know is in a storm. There are lots of people suffering every single day. People having difficulty. So how can we refrain from being all anxious and, and stuff when, when there's plenty of things in the world to bring us down? How do we get there? Well, the answer is right here in verse 5. It says the Lord is near. Verse 6 goes on to say, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, and here's the practicing of the presence of the Lord. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, congregation, when the storm comes in the midst of them, choose to praise him in the midst of it. Choose to worship God. Choose to offer your prayer to him. And when we do, what ends up taking place? Look at verse 7 with me. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it's the fact that he's near. But this isn't just some promise we have. This is truth. When we do this, we're actually practicing the presence of the Lord. We're wearing the message. 
And for those of us who experience anxiety and panic attacks, might I suggest to you that the best thing that you can do is what Scripture says. Practice the presence of the Lord. Worship God. Just like the worship team sang. Praise him in your storm. Let his peace come into your life and give you the peace that passes understanding. Let it come over you. But unfortunately, many folks, and when I say many, I mean many folks, the very thing that they do not want to do in a storm is worship God. What does the enemy want to do? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to you. The enemy is not your friend. But worship brings our heart and our life back into alignment with Christ. And when all the stuff is going crazy around you and you're in the storm and it's pounding you like it did the disciples in the boat, Scripture says, worship him. He's right there with you. Praise him in your storm. Now, it may not fix the problem, but it puts your heart, puts your soul right where it needs to be. Look at James chapter one with me. It's in your outline. And this, this is another passage we don't like, by the way. Did you know that there are scripture verses that we don't like? This is one of them. God tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Are you smiling in the middle of your storm? Yeah, I didn't think so. But he tells us to consider it joy. Verse three. He gives us the why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now let's be honest today, everybody. We want the mature, we want the complete, but we, it's like, Lord, go ahead and, and hold the trials and tribulations and the side dish of pain. When we hold on to the promise of God and we would practice his presence and praise him in our storms, that's what produces the perseverance that James is talking about. That is what we need for that work to be finished. And when that work is finished, it brings us to our desired maturity in the Lord. But brothers and sisters, we have to go through those trials. We have to go through those storms. I want you to catch that. We have to go through them. And you can either go through them on your own, denying that they exist or spinning out of control, or you can go through them with Jesus. And you can practice his presence in the midst of them. So this whole thing of worshiping God and praising him in our storm, it becomes a very important and essential component to our faith journey. We each have to own this reality, folks. We have to. And this is the part that makes all the difference because it's the only way that we're going to fully understand what Jesus wants us to learn. We have to go through them. In your outline, Here's what we want. We want in storms for God to do a removing job, but God wants to do an improving job. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, please take this from me. Remove it. 
But, but, what if God is looking to do an improving job in you? God's looking to mold you and shape you and conform you and transform you into the image of Jesus. So let's go back to Jesus and the disciples in the boat. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. So Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Verse 40. So he said to his disciples, and here's the underlying part of this miracle. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples had to get into the middle of the storm to face their fear and come to a place in their life that they could personally own the truth of who Jesus was. Lord of all. The same thing is true for us. We have to go through storms to get to the place where we can personally own the truth of what Scripture teaches us about a whole lot of different issues. And one of them is that Jesus is Lord. And you know, it's interesting, and we said earlier that the storms can come out of nowhere. But there could very well be a time in life when God's going to say to the storm in our life, quiet. Be still. And he's going to heal your issue. And it could happen in a nanosecond. Where out of nowhere the cancer is gone. A bill gets paid in a way that you didn't expect. You receive an unexpected pay raise. Your prodigal child wakes up one day and decides to repent of what they've done wrong. And comes home and says, mom, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, there are times when God will just take care of the situation. But many times, this is the reality, friends, is many times the storms of life continue. But as we look to Christ, as we look to him, we worship him and we praise him, whatever storm you're in. And when you do, you can experience the peace that only comes from him. Scripture calls it the peace that passes understanding. In closing today, beloved, I just want to let you know that we sang this earlier in the song. God's grace is sufficient for you. He is all that you need. He is so much bigger and so much stronger than every storm that you will ever face in this life. Don't focus on the size of your storm that's in front of you. Instead, focus on the size of the God that is beyond the storm that you're in. You will face many storms in this life. It's a fact. Different shapes, different sizes. But in the midst of it, keep your eyes on Jesus. I just want to encourage you today. Give him praise. Worship him in the midst of your storm. Practice his presence. He's right there with you. That's where you're going to find peace. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He's the Lord over creation. He's overcome the world, everybody. He's overcome the world. So I encourage you today, take a step of faith. Trust him in the midst of whatever you got going on.
Would you put your trust in Jesus today? Go ahead and put his word to the test. Don't just preach the Bible verses that you know. Live them. Let it be more than just head knowledge in your life. Practice his presence. Experience the fullness of Christ. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, God, and we lift you up in this place today. Father, we just say thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love in our life. And God, we thank you so much that in the midst of the storms that we have, you promise to stay with us. You promise to be right there. So God, we're we're claiming that promise today. Many of us in this room today, we're going through things that are very heavy on our life. And God, we need you. Some of us feel like you don't care, but your word tells us that you do. So God, help us to experience that. Give us the strength to live through the difficulties that we're in, the seasons that we're in. And congregation, as you're here today, if, if right now is a season of your life, where you are in desperate times. You're feeling like you're about ready to go over the side of the boat. I just want to encourage you to reach out to God. Reach out to somebody else in the faith who can be there for you. Don't go through it alone. The congregation, if you're here today and if this is a down season for you where you're not experiencing a whole lot of stormy weather in your life, maybe God could use you to minister to somebody else who you know that is. So be praying for those opportunities to reach out in compassion and in love as we share each other's burdens together. That's what the body of Christ does. So Lord, give us a heart to shoulder that with our friends and loved ones. God, some of us here today may not know you as as Lord and Savior. Some of us watching online right now God, I know that you're speaking and knocking on the doors of their heart. So, God, I just pray that you do your amazing work. And if that's you today, congregation, let me, let me just invite you to open your heart up to Jesus today. He wants to give you the peace that your soul is longing for. And the Bible says that if you open up the door and let him in, his presence will fill your life. The Holy Spirit will take up residency in your life. And you can do that simply by saying, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I desperately need you. Would you come into my life and live with in my heart? So God, we're here today in this quiet and precious moment of submission. Lord, we say, we can't, but you can't. So Lord, we lift you up. We honor you. We thank you for the precious gift of Jesus. And we desire to step out and take a step of faith today. So Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in this place today. Help them to take that step and trusting you rather than reacting in their flesh. God, thank you for our opportunity to worship together today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.